It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But with all the current uncertainty, how do we know when and where to put our hard-earned money to work for us? It's easy to become distracted by that shiny object or the quote-unquote next best thing. So how do we determine which strategies will best align with our financial goals? Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies to build our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Danny Nichols. And I'm Chris Thompson. This is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. Listen, if you're interested in passive real estate investing, but aren't sure how or where to get started, our passive investing guide walks you through the entire process from understanding the benefits to performing the due diligence. Download your copy today at twosmartassets.com and start taking action. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, and today our guest is Chad Griffiths. Chad is an industrial real estate investor with a 16-year background as a broker and has completed over 500 transactions with clients ranging from local companies to large institutional owners. Man, he's also putting out some great content about the industrial real estate space, particularly on his YouTube channel. So we highly recommend you go check that out right now. Go do it right now. Well, after the show, we do it right after the show. But uh, anyways, Chad, it's great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And I got to say, I love the podcast name, Two Smart Assets. <laughs> it's, uh, that's one of the better ones I've ever heard. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, it's just one of those things, kind of a play on words, but uh, it's it's definitely catchy and we like that. So thank you for, for that compliment there. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to speak to you today. We got a very exciting topic. You are the first guest we've had on the show to talk about industrial. So uh, super excited about that. But, uh, you know, we briefly touched on your background there in the intro, but really to kick this thing off, man, uh, I want to make sure our listeners know more about you. So please share a little bit more about your, your background, how you got into real estate and the events that kind of led you where you are today in your industrial real estate career. Yeah, thanks for that. And thanks again for uh, for having me on. I really do appreciate that. Uh, I, I guess I got to start similar to how a lot of people did. I, I was fresh out of college. I was working a job at the time and I wanted to start investing in real estate. So uh, with a few friends of mine, uh, we bought and sold some houses. Didn't really make a lot of money, but it certainly scratched that itch of just being passionate about real estate. Uh, so I ended up getting licensed originally in residential real estate because I just thought that that'd be a, a way to combine that experience I had flipping houses with with a profession did that for about a year and quickly realized it just wasn't something i wanted to do long term uh so got introduced to a few different uh commercial real estate brokerages the first one i actually met with uh that interview went so well i was there for a couple of hours and i got hired that day uh, and that was about 16 years ago now and i've been at that same brokerage ever since uh when i got into commercial real estate i thought it'd be more selling like office towers or shopping centers you know what, what a lot of people are kind of familiar with when they think commercial real estate state. But as luck would have it, my brokerage was heavily focused in industrial real estate. So I, I kind of accidentally stumbled into it. Uh, and I, I heard someone say this the other day, and I think it's like a perfect way of describing what the average person thinks about industrial real estate is uh, he, he said, the only t- thing I know about industrial real estate is when I get lost when I'm driving, you know, you make like a wrong turn on the road and all of a sudden you find yourself in an industrial park and you're like, oh, now how do I find my way back to the main road? That that was me too. Like that, that was me when I first started this commercial brokerage. 
college. I had no idea what industrial was, uh, but having some mentors there uh, and just a number of people that I learned under, I've, I've been working exclusively in industrial real estate for the last 16 years or so. And then I started investing myself in 2014. Uh, and with uh, with a number of partners, we've, we've built up a pretty good portfolio over the last seven years, uh, including uh, we just removed conditions on a $4.1 million industrial property, uh, which we're going to close on in a couple of weeks here. Uh, that is amazing. I love to hear that, you know, especially just that kind of transition and how you got in there. I think that's, that's awesome. So I do want to touch on something though, you know, so your portfolio, your investing portfolio, that's made up of mostly industrial properties. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I, I have uh, one small residential condo that I've owned with a friend for a number of years uh, and his mom actually rents off of us. So uh, the reason I've kept onto that one is it probably wouldn't be a very good friend if I, uh, if I sold a condo that his mom was renting off of us. Uh, I think he's going to uh, buy me out of that at some point. And that, that's the, the only residential thing I have left. Everything else is, uh, is industrial at this point. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty funny, though. But I, I do want to ask, so, you know, people do, they tend to invest in, you know, maybe go to multifamily or go to self-storage or mobile home parks or whatever, but you have solely focused pretty much on the industrial. Uh, why not choose another? What is so good about industrial? Why not choose multifamily or self-storage or something like that? Well, the one thing that I really discovered early on in, in my career is that industrial is just a really stable asset class. It doesn't have those same big fluctuations that that you might see in office or retail and nothing better exemplified that than what we went through over the past 18 months where people were forced to work from home or shopping malls were, were, were closed essentially in a number of different markets. Hard to have a profitable business when you can't legally be open. Whereas industrial has been that steady asset class. It's almost, it's almost boring uh, because there's so few fluctuations in there that you can buy a property that might have a 10 or a 15 year tenant in there. And if you have a $4 million property with one single tenant in there and the lease is struck such that the tenant is responsible for any any maintenance, uh, any landscaping, any of the, any of the operating side of the the building. Then it's essentially a hands off investment where you might only go by that building or talk to the tenant once a year or once every two years. Uh, so I saw the appeal to have just steady, consistent cash flow with. Uh, hands-off investment, and I've I've owned some residential multifamily in the past, and and I'm sure people listening that have done so as well would echo that it's just a, it's a management intensive process. Uh, unless you can get scale it to a level where you have a dedicated property manager, you're dealing with all those issues that come up on a day-to-day basis. Uh, if you've got called like a 20 unit apartment building, you're probably turning over a tenant every month or every two months. Uh, and all the management has hassle and inconvenience that comes with that versus having a industrial property where you know what your rent is going to be. It's contractually agreed upon for some period of time into the future. That's a very stable asset, particularly if you don't have to be doing a lot of hands-on management. So I, I looked at, at the opportunity of, I, I don't want to be that ultra hands-on investor that's getting that call at midnight. And I've had those calls. I had at a fourplex uh, right before I got into the business and the sewer line collapsed. Of course, it collapsed at two in the morning. Uh, so all four tenants were calling about it. And I just like, that's that's one thing that just reverberates in my head about like that multifamily side. So I, I, I kind of take the approach that uh, multifamily isn't isn't bad. I, I'm not saying that multifamily isn't bad. It's just it's not for me because I see opportunity and other potential outcomes investing in industrial that just aren't there in multifamily. So for me, it makes sense, but I, I still certainly appreciate why people like the multifamily because, as you mentioned, they're just they're familiar with it. 
Well, you know, I think it's important. Something you said there, you know, is you recognize kind of where you wanted to be in the investor space. And I think a lot of people, a lot of investors should do the same, right? You need to recognize what you're going to want to do, what kind of role you're going to want to play. And if that's not, you know, answering the phone call at 2 a.m. because you got a sewer line busted, then you should probably know that. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things. And you found that out the hard way, right? And But uh, but you made the transition into some type of real estate that, that you prefer, right? And you found that that works for you. And I think that should, is something that most investors should pay attention to. But uh, Chad, I kind of want to back up a little bit, just again, because you were the first uh, industrial uh, guest we've had on. So uh, most of our listeners are familiar with apartments, self-storage, stuff like that, right? Because we talk a lot about a lot of that stuff. But uh, for the listener that might not have much exposure to the industrial sector, uh, can we just kind of go over the basics just a a little bit more? You kind of touched on a little bit there, but can we talk about kind of what the industrial real estate consists of, just just that, that industry right there, who uses it, and any other general information that can help paint a clear picture of that type of asset? Yeah, fantastic question. I'm glad you did bring that up. I I would say that industrial, the term itself is actually more of an industry concept. Uh, That's what we talk about when if if we're talking to a a, a landlord, if we're talking to a banker, an appraiser, that's kind of an all encompassing term that the industry uses. But the public themselves probably don't use the word industrial. In fact, there's even some tenants that don't use the word industrial. They'll say that they need a shop space for their business. Or you might hear of Amazon opening up a big distribution facility in your neighborhood. We just had a million square foot Amazon uh, distribution center go up in our, in our neighborhood. So the, the industry lingo is to call it industrial, but a lot of people have different names for it. So I, I would say industrial is the broad name for the whole asset class, but it, it'd be more appropriate to break that up into subcategories. And I usually break industrial into three subcategories, the first being uh, manufacturing. So these are all the properties where things are made. And you can you can imagine something down like a small 5,000 square foot, uh, small building that's just designed to make something very specific or niche, all the way up to the 4 million square foot Boeing factory just outside of Seattle, where all the raw materials come in, then they assemble it into the airplanes and then the finished airplanes go out. That's kind of the manufacturing side point side of industrial, where it's just all the things that are made. And that's big business. Like that makes up a considerable amount of the industrial inventory. Where more people are are most familiar with with industrial, at least as of late, is the subcategory of warehousing. And warehousing is all the product uh, properties where things are are essentially just stored. So things will Mm -hmm. come in; they'll be stored there. Any sometimes they might be stored there for half an hour because they'll just be broken down into smaller uh, boxes and then sent out another door, or they could be stored there for months or perhaps even years. And everybody's familiar with warehouses, whether they know it or not. An example I point to all the time is just a Costco. If you go into a Costco or Home Depot, that's essentially just a really, that's just a warehouse. It's a warehouse in a retail location with a massive parking lot and it's stocked with consumer goods, but that's still just a warehouse. It's probably got 24 foot ceilings. If you look carefully at it, it's, there's racking all the way to the ceiling and then there's products on each layer of the racking. That's essentially just a warehouse. And when we're talking about like an Amazon distribution center, all the big e-commerce stuff that people talk about in the news right now, that's referring to that warehouse side of of industrial real estate. And then the third one is uh, flex industrial. And flex industrial is typically going to be a property that's zoned industrial. So whatever municipality you're in is going to have certain zoning ordinances, which allows what type of uses can go on that property. And you're going to have, typically you're going to have a commercial zoning, you're going to have a residential zone, you're going to have an industrial zoning. So you might find an industrial zone property that isn't necessarily geared towards just manufacturing or just warehousing. An example I use a lot is a car deal, a dealership. So a car dealership, it's a big showroom uh, at the front where they have all their vehicles 
uh, displayed. And in the back, they, they'll have a garage for working on the vehicles. They might have some storage back there. That's an industrial property, but it's more geared specifically for that car dealer dealership. And there's tons of flex industrial properties. If you start driving through an industrial park in your city, you'll start seeing there's churches, there's bottle depots. You might even say self-storage, which you're familiar with, uh, Daniel, is that that's even kind of a subcategory of flex industrial mm -hmm. as well. So flex is in very broad terms, that's kind of the all encompassing catch-all. So anything that's not neatly defined as a manufacturing property or a warehouse, but zoned industrial, I'd say that that's going to be a flex property. Yeah. And I love the way you broke that down just to three categories, right? I think that's, that's a super important way to look at that. It helps people understand kind of, this is what the industrial landscape actually consists of. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, you brought up the, the, you know, the, the manufacturing, the warehousing and the flex space, um, and, you know, being a, being a broker, an industrial broker, you're dealing with all these things and an investor as well. Right. Um, mm -hmm. what does it look like in terms of dealing with tenants for these things? Right. Cause it's not like, from what I understand, it's not like an apartment complex necessarily. Right. It's, it's a little bit different. And is it, in it, in terms of that, is it also different from going from manufacturing to warehouse and even like that flex space? You said it could be a vast number of things, right? How do you accommodate um, those tenants, whatever comes into those, if you're getting a new tenant? And then what is the maybe like the lease and stuff like that? What does that structure look like? You're, you're asking all the, the right questions because this is exactly how a critical uh, thinking investor should approach this. Uh, and that, that's a great question to ask. And it's all off, often overlooked when somebody's considering industrial, but it's so fundamental to the process. So if you look at, at an industrial property, it, it's worth only some function of what a tenant's going to be willing to pay for it. Just using like a very common income capitalization uh, value to, to the property, it's on, the property's only worth what a tenant's going to pay. So you've got to really look at it from a tenant's perspective on what that property is going to be worth to them. And every tenant is going to approach approach it a little bit differently. And that's why industrial real estate isn't as ubiquitous as, as an apartment building where, you know, if you have an apartment building located in a good area, you know that there's always going to be a tenant base for it, right? There's always going to be people that need a place to live. With industrial real estate, conversely, you might have a tenant that needs something very specialized. Like they, they're process might require that they need to have 10 overhead doors. Maybe they just have a whole bunch of vehicle traffic uh, of their, their commercial trucks coming and going all the time. So they need to have multiple overhead doors to accommodate that. Well, if you only, if you have a property in your portfolio that only has a single grade level door and the company needs 10 dock level do doors, just using a hypothetical example, sure. that property is not compatible for that tenant. So it, having a really thorough understanding of what the tenant wants first is critical. And that's why a warehousing tenant is not likely going to be compatible in a warehousing property because they're actually built quite a bit different. Even though everybody thinks of industrial properties, just four walls and a roof, like a basic <laughs> box where things get done, they're, they, they're still quite a bit different on how they're laid out, uh, what the depth is, the type of loading, whether it's grade loading, dock loading, how much power is in the space, what the ceiling height is, how the columns are spaced apart so they can get what racking they need in there. There's all these little differences that might not seem huge on paper, but when you compare a manufacturing property to a warehousing property, they're actually quite a bit different. And accordingly, they attract a different type of tenant. Mm -hmm. So what, what I always say is, is you need to understand what the property that you are. So if you're an investor looking at a property to purchase, you need to fully understand what that property is. But you also need to understand what it isn't. Uh, because if you're looking at a manufacturing property and, and you're maybe the 
the package says it's got heavy power and there's grade loading and there's some extra yard where people can use for lay down storage or whatever it is. And you, you start looking at that as, as being attractive as an investor. But if you consider that all the tenants that are in the market are looking for dock loading and they don't care about that extra yard space and they don't need all that extra office space, well, then you could conceivably be looking at a property that just isn't geared for the for the market. That's not to say that there isn't a manufacturing tenant out there that that could be interested in it, but it's just, it underscores the importance of knowing what your property property is versus what it isn't. And I can't think of another asset class that has that that same uh, requirement to be able to differentiate pros and cons. Uh, Like office is pretty pretty standard, right? If you have an office space, if it's 5,000 square feet in the suburbs or 5,000 square feet downtown, but aside from the amenities in the area, those two spaces are going to be pretty similar. Same with multifamily, same with retail. But industrial, two properties can be completely different and have completely different profile for how the tenants are. So it, it, there's one thing that I've that I've said multiple times as a broker, and it's probably uh, the opposite of what a lot of brokers say. But I, I think that industrial real estate should actually scare new investors uh, because there is the power to make a profound mistake uh, being a first-time investor where you do buy a manufacturing property thinking that it's that warehousing is booming and only to find out that you can't find a tenant for it and that can be detrimental. So I think having that healthy amount of fear as an industrial investor will help you go through the extra motions of fully understanding what the asset class is so that you know what you're buying, the, the features of the building, what it has, what it doesn't have, and then also getting a deep understanding of the market. Um, a lot of people underestimate just how big the industrial market is as a driver of the overall economy. Uh, and what I would encourage anybody to do if they're interested in investing in industrial real estate is just spend an hour or two hours on the weekend. Industrial parks are usually quite slow at those times and physically just drive around an industrial park. Uh, in most municipalities, industrial real estate is going to be clustered into a, into a couple different areas. So just pick one of them. You don't need to tour the whole industrial area in your city, but just pick one of them and just drive up and down every every street and you'll just get a sense of how robust and huge the market actually is. So that one question that comes up all the time is, well, what kind of tenant will, would even come for this, for this type of building? Once you start driving through an industrial park and you start seeing all the different types of tenants are, are there, it will really broaden your horizons on just how big the industrial real estate market is. Yeah. And I, I love that explanation, man. I think that's, there's a lot of great stuff there and I don't want to, I kind of want to add on to that. And really, so, you know, and I know, see if you can talk about this, but you know, you're trying to find these tenants for all these different properties, right? How do you go about finding tenants for these properties? Really? Cause you know, if you're you know, an apartment complex or self-storage, it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory, right? I need a place to live mm-hmm. or I need a place to put my stuff. Right. But this sounds like it could be a lot more difficult getting a tenant in there. Right. Especially the right tenant. Right. So can you talk a little bit about your process for that? Yeah, I, I would say a broker is is pretty helpful in the process. Uh, I, I would say if you are going to be considering it, having a broker on your team is a pretty important thing to have. Have somebody in your local market that's an expert in that market be an advisor to you. That, that A lot of business gets done by uh, brokers, uh, but there's also big landlords that do everything in-house. So they'll have an in-house leasing team and, and they're responsible for going and finding tenants. It's it's a market of supply and demand. If, if, if you can get a property in front of the tenant that's in interested in it and your your lease rates are competitive all things being equal you should have a good chance of getting the, the a tenant that a building comparable to yours would be as well so i i i think and not even just being biased but if i were to own another 
or own a property in another market, I would hire a broker to uh, to represent me in that market. Someone that's that's an expert in that market. They're just going to have their finger on the pulse of what's happening. They're going to be more in tune with trends and and what type of inducements are being offered by landlords and just the general market conditions. So even myself being a broker and and, and capable of handling it from a technical standpoint, I would still have a, a local market expert uh, that that would be looking after that. But it's it all comes down to how much how much you can devote to the process. Uh, if you're, if you own a property and it's in your market and you you're comfortable dealing with uh, people on your own, put little, put ads into Craigslist or Kijiji, uh, or some of these online classified sites, put up a sign. Uh, if you're really aggressive, start going and handing out brochures to, to other tenants in the area, just letting them know about the opportunity. Uh, and if you can put that legwork in, that's a lot of what a broker is going to do as well. So it's uh, being a broker isn't necessarily a, like a this huge rocket science that that goes into it. It's just someone that's put, putting in this this labor every day uh, so that they have a solid understanding of the market and they can connect dots. But that that work can certainly be done uh, by someone if they have the appetite to do it themselves. I love to hear that. You know, you're talking about putting the hard work, going out and just doing it, but also, you know, you being a broker, you've established a a network, right? And you know, a lot of people. And so that's going to be a huge bonus for somebody looking, if they're trying to fill a tenant or whatever, like, Hey, go talk to this broker, go talk to Chad. He, he knows everybody, right? Go talk to him. He's going to be able to hook you up. So I think that's, that's solid advice there. So, you know, we're talking about kind of, we've gone over the basics. We talk about tenants, stuff like that. I kind of want to talk about, and you actually hit on a few of these, but like the pros and cons of, of investing in industrial real estate. Again, you've hit on a few of them, but can we just go over some of the pros and some of the cons as well uh, for investing in this space? Yeah, I'll start with the con. Uh, and, and and if people are listening, they could, they could probably sense that this is the direction I would take the con is that there just really is a barrier to entry. And the barrier to entry is that people just aren't familiar with it. So if if there's an investor that has perhaps owned five or 10 houses and they want to consolidate that into a bigger property, their their instinct is probably go, to go to multifamily just because they're already comfortable with it. The barrier to entry comes from the fact that not as many people have that knowledge or the passion to want to learn what they need to. So that barrier to entry is a con, but I also look at that barrier entry once you're into the industry as a, as a benefit uh, because there's less competition in there. And, and that less competition Competition will generally lead to uh, higher returns. Uh, I, I don't want to make a blanket statement because one industrial property can be different than than an, an apartment. But I, having invested in both myself, I, I am a firm believer that industrial will lead to better returns. And even really just at a strict cap rate basis on on what you're buying cap uh, properties at like a lot of uh, markets, multifamilies in that like three to four percent range could be either side of that, but just as, a, as an average, whereas industrial, you're seeing things in the six to 8% range. So there's just, you're, you're, there's an opportunity to make higher returns in there, uh, which, which I like. And then you're just, like I mentioned as well, you're not dealing with residential tenants. So you don't have, uh, you don't have to worry about uh, like eviction moratoriums and uh, just the, the laws, which tend to favor residential tenants more than to the, to the uh, detriment of residential landlords. You don't deal with law with that. It's mostly just contract law that you're dealing with. So there's, there, you're, you've got a lot more control versus being subject to just legislation and things that can come down and, and affect the residential market. Uh, and then you're dealing with, with longer term tenants for the most part, uh, which are a lot less management intensive. So I kind of look at the, all of those things in, in combination of less competition, higher potential returns, less management, more stable cash flow, 
uh, easier to predict, less hands-on. I mean, it's when I, when I compare that to multifamily, it's it to me anyways. It seems that those pros outweigh the pros that come with multifamily. It's a very it's a very attractive asset class for sure, right? Just just from on the pros you said, I think it's uh, it sounds very attractive. I know a lot of our investors will be thinking the same as well. So I do want to talk about the, the state of the market, right? And so you know we talked a little bit about over the show. Um, you know, during COVID, the height of COVID, you know, if you're following commercial real estate at all, um, you know, what you're hearing is that commercial or that industrial real estate is uh, basically on fire, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. exploding, right? Just it's, it's really, it's really taking off. Um, can you talk a little bit about why that was kind of what caused that industrial sector to gain so much attention? And then, and then after that, we can move into kind of the current state of the market today. Yeah, I mean, it's been a trend that probably goes back 20 years now That's that's been uh, growing is that the e-commerce side of the business has slowly been taking away market share from the traditional retailers. And I know I'm guilty of that, of ordering something online instead of going to a store and, and getting it. It just shows up in a box <laughs> two days later. Uh, and, and I think that, that that has accelerated over this past 18 months. But that's been a trend that's been going on for, for 20 years now. We've, we've sure. the, I probably first heard the term retail apocalypse 20 years ago. Uh, and it, it, retail hasn't died, and I don't think it is going to die. But there's no no denying that some of that market share has been lost to e-commerce. So when all these companies have had to load up on distribution centers, not just as part of the supply chain of, of getting things you know shipped from China, comes overseas, gets stored in a warehouse off a port, then that gets shipped by train to a to a market somewhere midland and then that's stored in another warehouse then it gets shipped to your specific market then it's held in another warehouse then it gets shipped to your house there's a handful of warehouses that were all involved in that distribution network and because of that that's why we've just seen an explosion of of distribution centers uh, I, I mentioned amazon earlier I, i'm willing to bet that every major market in north america has had at least one amazon fulfillment center anywhere from 600,000 square feet to 2 million square feet go up in their market. And that's not just Amazon. There's all the other, uh, even traditional brick and mortar retailers that have had to expand their network. Uh, companies like Walmart and Home Depot, they've also had to do that. So in in some port cities right now, and, and maybe I could just move right on to the current state of the market, sure, if yeah. that's okay with you. In some port cities right now, uh, we're seeing vacancy rates sub 2% for, for industrial properties, especially on, on like the coastal cities. And even as you start getting more inland, uh, we're still seeing more downward pressure on vacancy rates as well. Uh, Prologis, one of the, actually, they are the largest industrial property owner in the world. It's a big real estate investment trust. They've got about a billion square feet of industrial space they own all over the world. They've essentially said that they're full, uh, that they're out of space. So they're going to continue adding space. But if you think that the largest industrial owner in the world of industrial of industrial real estate, that's a pretty good bellwether for the market as a whole. And it's, if you follow what the biggest company is doing, there's going to be some trickle down to the rest of the, the market. And they're saying that they're full. So we're into a situation right now where supply is just outpacing, uh, sorry, demand is outpacing supply. And because it's going to take anywhere from 12 to 24 months to get new product online, that demand is going to continue outpacing supply for the foreseeable future. And we're just seeing rental rates increase, especially in those coastal markets, uh, rental rates increasing, uh, uh, vacancy rates approaching zero, effectively zero, uh, with no real 
end in sight. So industrial real estate will be a, a big asset class, barring something unforeseen economically that, that nobody can predict, barring something like that. I think it's going to be a very strong market for the next two years at least. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I love to hear that. And I know a lot of, of our listeners will be excited to hear that as well. You know, maybe if they're not investing in, uh, in, in directly, but maybe if there's a passive opportunity, cause a lot of our listeners are passive, you know, but potentially getting into industrial, not just necessarily based off that forecast, but really just off of supply demand, like you're saying, right. I mean, it, mm-hmm. there, the demand is there and the supply is not quite there yet. Right. So we yeah. just, just based on those metrics, I think that's amazing. Um, Chad, really, man, I've learned a ton today about industrial real estate. Um, I gotta be honest with you, we gotta get you back on the show to talk more about it if you're okay with it maybe here in a few months get you get you get you back on here and uh maybe talk more about the market what you got going on and stuff like that but uh it's been a great conversation really enjoyed having you on the show today chad uh, but before we get out of here we want to take some time and shine the spotlight on you so talk to the listeners more about what you got going on uh maybe your company your youtube channel anything like that yeah, I, one thing I could uh, promote pretty quickly is I'm actually doing a live YouTube chat uh, next Thursday. So I, I don't know when this goes live. I, it might be a bit too late, uh, but it's, people will still even be able to go back and watch it after it's live because it'll get converted into a, just a normal video. I'm going to actually just go through the details. I'm going to try and allocate an hour of industrial versus multifamily investing. Uh, I've got one guy that's that's going to be somewhat of a moderator and just ask some of the questions that he asked. So if they just go on to, uh, to my YouTube channel, uh, it should just be something that pops up that it's that, that live event. And as you can tell, I just love talking about industrial real estate. So uh, the, my channel, that's exclusively what it's about. I just try to provide as much value as I can. Uh, I, I, I don't, it's funny, I've had that channel for over a year. I don't think I've even mentioned what city I'm located in or what company I'm located <laughs> in uh, or what company I'm with because my whole intent with it is just to provide value. I don't want it to come across as, as an infomercial about me. I really just, any value I can provide to people, if there's a takeaway from it and people can can get something from it, I don't need it to be about me or to have any any uh, business come back my way other than, like, like I said, probably a few times. I just love talking about this stuff. So I'd be happy to continue on that conversation down the road and, and really do appreciate for the uh, well-thought-out questions on that. Absolutely, man. Like I said, I've learned a lot and I appreciate you speaking with it or speaking this with us about it today. Um, is there a good way for anybody to connect with you or is it just maybe through YouTube and kind of subscribe, leave some comments and stuff like that? Is there a, another good way to get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, YouTube or LinkedIn. I'm pretty active okay. on LinkedIn. So I, I don't know if I, if I sent you the link or not on that, but if I don't, I'll, I'll send that to you again. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. We're going to make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes, Chad, your LinkedIn, your YouTube. And, you know, I'm eager for sure to watch that live video um, to learn more about it. You know, the stuff against multifamily and stuff like that. So I'm excited for that. And uh, I highly recommend any of our listeners go to Chad's YouTube page. If you're interested in industry at all, man, there's so much good stuff on there. Absolutely. Go check it out as soon as you can. It's full of great stuff. So but anyways, Chad, love having you on the show today, man. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you very much again. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.